is the key to Earth's survival on the planet Saturn. Ooh, oh, I gotta read this. this oh, well, the Golden Stallion here with you for uh, your Wednesday Sovereign Tech Patreon only Q&A. And whoa, um, I just got this in. Actually, it was uh, it was on on sale. Um, I forget what exactly I was looking through something. You know, it might have been an old scan of a comic book. And in it, it had this ad from another comic book company, of all things. Uh, or, you know what? I, I think I was reading an old issue of The Phantom, because I know this company has, like, the rights to all of the Phantom comics, and they even make new ones. Uh, I'm a huge fan of The Phantom, uh, y- you know, from uh, Defenders of the Earth, and, of course, you know, from comics and Years of Yore and all this stuff, uh, you know, <laughs> The Ghost That Walks, right? Um Anyway, and in there, there was an ad for Buck Rogers in the 25th Century, The Western Publishing Years, Volume 1. And I said, well, holy shit, what is that? I got to have that. Obviously, I went to the Torrents to find it first, but as the Torrent community has been so disappointing over the past uh, couple of years, I couldn't find it. And so what did I do? Well, I went to HermesPress.com, which is, they're not a sponsor, but that's uh, that's the, the, the company that uh, that was putting it out there. And lo and behold, they had it on sale. Normally it's like $30. It's this deluxe hardcover edition with a bunch of issues of the eight 1980s, you know, Gil Gerard and Aaron Gray and all that, uh, the 1980s Buck Rogers uh, tie-in comics to the television show. And they had it for like 15 bucks. And it is a absolutely gorgeous set. In fact, I'm going to put it back, uh, put it back on the shelf here at the BDSM studio. I mean, it is stunning. Um, I might end up getting that. I'm tempted to get that scanned, to get that professionally scanned. But at the same time, I really want to keep like a hardcover copy because it's so, you know, I look up, I look up on my shelf and I see my uh, mini mates. If you don't know about mini mates, I have a few different sets of mini mates up here. Uh, I have, let's see, there's Forbidden Planet, which has Robbie the Robot, of course. Uh, then there's Lost in Space with B9 and Dr. Smith, you know, from the real Lost in Space, uh, the, you know, the, the original series. And then next to that is an entire, like, six-figure deluxe set of Buck Rogers in the 25th century. as Princess Ardala, Tiger Man, you know, uh, Twiggy and, or Twiggy and uh, uh, Buck, and, of course, Wilma, Colonel Wilma Deering. Um, which, wow, you know, imagine that in 1980 that you had like a woman that was a colonel that was in charge of shit. Fucking right. Well, I know the 80s were, you know, we were coming out of the 70s, women empowerment and all that different shit. But it was still kind of rare, especially for like, you know, a science fiction. What I think most people might have considered a kid show, even though it really wasn't a kid show. Uh, anyway, it's so hard to find Buck Rogers memorabilia of any kind you know even even like the toys from way back or the models or something like that i mean it's a real pain in the ass i do i also have i have a patch for the earth defense directorate uh that i've yet to and i've had that for boy over a decade um i've yet to find the perfect jacket for that to go on and right now honestly like i'm having i'm not boasting i'm having a hard time fitting into jackets to wear i'm not gonna i'm not gonna trust putting it on one when i might have to cut the sleeves off but anyway, that again, really not, not posting. Um, anyway, I might get that scanned. Uh, just something I want to let you know. So I have been, and again, this is not, this is not a Patreon perk. It is being posted on Patreon, but being hosted by Mediafire, who probably Mediafire, I think has probably the best legal teams in all of tech <laughs> because so much shit gets put on Mediafire that, uh, anyway, so I, I you know, I, I haven't put it up on torrents, OK, because I, I don't have. Um, well, I'm not going to talk about that right now, but 
let's just say I don't have a setup at the moment. Um, at the moment, but regardless, um, I've been putting up on Mediafire uh, a lot of these books that I've rare books that you can't find on the torrent sites anywhere, uh, or that aren't available to even buy uh, digitally. You know, as an ebook or something like, or a PDF or something like that. Um, I've been, uh, you know, hosting them on Mediafire, and I've been making little posts and releasing a couple books at a time here and there uh, on SovereignTech.com, which is the Patreon page. Now, again, I'm not, they're public posts, so anybody can see them, okay? And so they're not Patreon perks. And also, they are not being, the files themselves are not being hosted on Patreon. The links are there for Mediafire. Now, despite any, you know, Bear Brown situation, right, for, you know, the dangers of sharing, just just sharing a link, <gasps> Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm putting these up there and people seem to be enjoying them. Download numbers are pretty nice. Feel free to share these around. In fact, I even created a custom URL. It's books.zog.ninja. Okay. Books.zog.ninja. And what that'll do is, is it takes you to the tab on Patreon where all of the posts that I make that have the links to these books get listed off. Okay, Uh, and so I figured that would make things easy and I will mention it on the Sovereign Tech Prime episode this week. Uh, But I am getting a real, real joy. And apparently a lot of you are as well. I'm getting a real joy out of sharing. You know, I mean, this is something that let me bottom line it. I wanted someone else to do this, but no one else would or could or, you know, I I don't know, whatever. They didn't have the wherewithal or the means or whatever, you know, whatever it is to make this happen. So I made it happen. Um, it's, you know, it's my, one of my contributions to the, uh, world of free, uh, freed information, I should say not free, but necessarily, but freed information. Uh, like last week, I think I released, um, I released the, the Naval Press Institute edition, uh, or Naval Institute Press edition, whatever of, um, of 20,000 leagues under the sea, which is probably the best translation with full notes and everything, um, of that tremendous. And it is an anarchist piece of work, uh, and that book alone will sell for a few hundred bucks, you know, even though, I mean, it's been out of print since the 90s. Uh, there's no reason it should sell for a few hundred bucks. Yeah, I understand scarcity, rarity, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, I get that. But, you know, what the fuck? Why, why can't that be out there available for everybody to read it? And so I made it so. And there you go. You can have fun with it. And there was some other stuff I, th- I put out tomorrow's Eve, uh, which is a classic work of uh, Android fiction from the 19th century, if you'd believe it, uh, out of France. Boy, those French, you know, always thinking ahead. Um, anyway, <laughs> so do check that out. Books.sovereigntech.com if you if you weren't aware of them, because uh, as many patrons as I have and as much, you know, and, and the metrics for Patreon, I can't exactly, you know, I can't tell everything by them. Um, I it appears that episodes get downloaded pretty frequently and get listened to. However, uh, you know, like there's not a ton of interaction on Patreon itself, uh, you know, to, to, to send me kind of the signals of of what you're digging and what you're not. Uh, You know, I, I, you send in your questions, which we're going to cover here in a second. And those, you know, that, that lets me know which way you want to kind of steer the ship. Uh, But otherwise I don't know. And, so that it, anyway, it's helpful, um, you know, when, when there's interaction on Patreon to know if you, if you appreciate that or, you know, other things. Anyway, I'm going to release more of these books um, over time. Uh, I don't know that I will release all of the ones that I have been uh, getting done, as it were. But uh, yeah, anyway, let's move on to some questions. Uh, but just, uh, yeah, I just wanted to share that I'm really enjoying sharing these with you. Uh, and, you know, Mediafire works. Um, I haven't. So the RetroShare community with uh sovereign tech i i don't i haven't logged into that for a little while i have just been so insanely busy working on other stuff i mean a lot of these things and i i know someone else was was 
very kind to like set up a sovereign tech discord channel i think um i'm kind of to the point like those kinds of projects i can't i like I can't take the time to work on those and, you know, or, or maybe even necessarily so much engage with them. And I'm honored that people do that. And I mean, believe me, and I'm glad that you do. And I want these things to exist. You know, if people want to make like independent sovereign tech groups on whatever platform they want to do or whatever, you know, I mean, please, please. I think it's so great that you're doing that because sovereign tech listeners are such you are. I mean, every individual is unique, but you really are unique individuals if you're putting up with my shit. <laughs> we might get into that later with one of the questions, but I mean, it's, it's just, you, you know, you're amazing. Okay. So you deserve a space where you can all kind of talk together because I know you come from differing backgrounds, even differing ideas in a lot of ways. And so, you know, have at each other and enjoy each other's presence. I think that that's a beautiful thing. The only thing I can really concentrate on is IRC. And well, I'll, I'll talk about that more later if we can get to all these questions. So let's start getting to the questions. Uh, okay, let's open it up. Here's a good one. Okay. Um, and I shortened this actually. So until we have better established decentralized exchanges, what do we use? And the question was pretty much saying, because I had talked about, uh, recently we had talked about when Stephanie was on a couple episodes ago, um, we were discussing how, uh, like circle, you know, was, uh, they bought Poloniex and there was a real problem and the real solution was decentralized exchanges. So, yeah, and, and we're kind of, you know, the, the, the jury's out on how well some of these decentralized exchanges work and how trusting, you know, how, how much you can trust them, etc. Uh, so what do we use for now? Well, the, there is a solution to that um, that I'm actually a very big fan of. And that is Evercoin um, at Evercoin.com. So they are not a sponsor. I'm actually tempted to reach out to them to be a sponsor um, of Sovereign Tech. So that might happen. And they pretty much work like Shapeshift. Um, they have, but they also have, you know, there's the website. They also have apps for iOS um, and Android. Uh, and they, one of the nice things and one of the first ways that I'd heard about them was that they were one of the few places that very early on were on board with Zencash. Uh, and so you can actually use Zencash to exchange into a variety of, you know, Monero. Um, there's even like Decred, Waves. I know Waves is getting kind of popular because it allows you to create your own coin. Um, you know, Litecoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash is there if you're into that. Ethereum, Ethereum Classic, classic even Bitcoin Gold, uh, etc. And, you know, whatever. What I mean, they, they've got a pretty good selection. It might not be as big as what Shapeshift has, but I really like Evercoin. And I like Evercoin, not that I necessarily have so much of a problem with Shapeshift, but I like Evercoin. It's run by a couple guys, actually, ex-Silicon Valley guys, uh, Miko Metsumara, and I forget the other guy's name. But these are guys that already made it. Like, like they, they didn't need to do this for the money. Like, this is an Evercoin is not a scam. Um, and they allow you to use it despite any legalese that they have to put on their site. You can do, you, you know, you can make transactions and you can exchange currencies. Again, it's not an exchange that you store things on. It just works like Shapeshift where you instantly convert. Um, you you know, you can do it pretty anonymously. It's, it's a, it's a really, really slick setup. I mean, very simple website. Um, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big, big fan and I've been using it uh, for some time now. Uh, so that's what I recommend using at this moment, uh, is something like Evercoin, uh, you know, just to be able to, 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 if you need to shift out of different currencies and everything. 
Um, and in fact, you know, they make a great case. They have an, they have a pretty good blog that is interesting to read, and they make a pretty good case of why you don't want to leave money in exchanges. So they recognize that they're a solution for the problems that we have with centralized exchanges. So if you do want to be switching out your cryptos, you know, and maybe investing in other, uh, you know, other alternative cryptocurrencies, uh, this is Evercoin is is really, in my opinion, the way to go. I mean, and they have Zcash, of course. You know, I mean, pretty much every everything on my top five. Except for just as as I mean ripples on there. I don't I don't like ripple, but you know just as a money like NEM is kind of a that that would be more as like a money making play if you were to do that because I know I mention it sometimes, but that's the only reason why because it's just different enough and it's just like it has just these amount of features that I think you know make people think that it's something special, but. Whatever. Anyway, so I mean, you know, my my big picks, you know, as far as like my top five cryptos, you know, that being Bitcoin itself, Litecoin, um, Zencash, Zcash, and I guess I guess maybe I'd say like Monero or Digibyte's on there, which that's an interesting play as well. Uh, you know, it, it's it's got a good selection of where I would put my money, just because it doesn't have fucking everything, you know, or it doesn't have any like the well, Digibyte's kind of. Well, it's not exactly tangle based, but I mean, you know, it, it's it's got stuff going on. So for very basic exchanging, uh, I recommend this as far as like getting involved in pump and dump schemes with like new, you know, REC 20 tokens that come out and everything. Of course, it's not useful for that. But then I think that that's bullshit to even really work with anyway, uh, by and large, you know, other than maybe. Well, there was the Telegram ICO, but other than that. So, which even that I I didn't, you know, personally, full disclosure to the executive producers of Sovereign Tech, I did not get involved in that ICO. In fact, Telegram's in kind of a bit of trouble. I'm not going to be able to get to it in the Sovereign Tech Prime episode this week. But uh, Russia has, the Russian government has told Telegram they need to hand over their information on Russian users or they're going to ban the app's use within the geographic area of Russia. Of course, it's an open source project and like, I mean, just the by the nature of the, the internet, as it were, um, it's impossible just to like ban an app. Like you, you really can't do that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you're it's going to get circumvented you know without even thinking twice but, and without much trouble but regardless you know and also telegram is a company that actually moves its headquarters like every 6 months like they're constantly you know on the on the go so good luck even trying to you know do anything to them anyway without creating some kind of international incident not to say that russia is afraid of doing a russian government is afraid of doing that very important to use the term government when you're talking about countries because you know i have tons of russian listeners i'm sure i have tons of russian patrons and obviously you're great people you know <laughs> it's it's governments that suck it's people that are great and so even though government's a fiction and and it's just people ruling all over other people right but regardless you get my point so uh yeah but i i don't see it as like any kind of a death knell for telegram but they i was just saying that they are in a bit of trouble as much as trouble can be um yeah so evercoin i, I definitely recommend that for doing a lot of your more basic stuff and kind of putting your you know right now i think where my personal opinion especially with the you know present dive in a lot of prices of cryptocurrencies um where yeah <laughs> You kind of want to get into a holding pattern, okay? And I think that there are interesting moves to be made by holding in more proven cryptocurrencies, like, say, Bitcoin, Zcash, Litecoin, things like this. 
Um, and I, I, you know, if you have Zencash, I, I totally let it sit. Um, I'm not an investor. I'm not giving investment advice. Yeah. 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 Uh, but right now, you know, like anything you'd want to do, I think Evercoin can do. So there you go. Again, they're not a sponsor, but I, I wouldn't mind. I, you know, I'm very particular who I let be a sponsor, but I would have no problems with them being a sponsor. Uh, okay, so let's move on to uh, another question from that. But got a nice little tech question in there early. Uh, let's see. If you think IQ, this is from Twitter. If you think IQ is largely invalid, then how do you yourself define intelligence? Ooh, okay. Great question. <laughs> in fact, this just this was just posted today. Um, and well, let, let's talk a little bit about this. OK, so IQ, intelligent quotient, intelligence quotient is this concept based off of G. OK, the G quotient. Right. Which is this mathematical. Well, it's its own mathematical equation. And. Um, so here, here's, here's, here, let me, let me explain more. Okay. Uh, I think the G quotient itself is very questionable. Okay. No, you know what? I'm going to go back even further. Okay. But I am going to give you an answer to this, even though it might seem like at first somehow like I'm dodging or just being, I don't know what term I want to use. Uh, we have so little understanding of what consciousness is. Now, in fact, we talked about this. This is a few episodes ago when we were, when it was, uh, um, you know, just two amazing ladies, Ellen and Stephanie, you know, and I, we were in the, uh, the hotel, we were doing a hotel room show. Uh, and we talked about, you know, kind of the, the problems of consciousness, like there's real problems with understanding it. So consciousness itself, which intelligence you would argue is a part of, I would hope people would argue for that, or I would assume, I guess I should say, but maybe that's a bad assumption to make. Um, cause boy, some people say some really weird shit to me on, on Twitter, Whoa. Uh, Anyway, uh, so, yeah, so consciousness, we don't really have a grasp of. And if we don't have a grasp of the underlying framework that intelligence would arguably come out of, okay, even though it's debatable whether or not any psychologist actually says intelligence comes solely from the brain, um, you you, kind of have to, like, question like any concept of intelligence in the first place, right? Or any, any concept of like measuring intelligence, I should say you can see intelligence in action. Okay. You can see cleverness, right? Like you can see all these different, uh, 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 attitudes and abilities of a sapient mind in action. And that's, that's, you know, a way enough to prove that, um, are tests the best way to prove that? No. And we'll talk about why in just a second, but let's talk about sapience. So sapience is the term I use to differentiate us. And obviously I'm not the only one that does this to differentiate us from the animals. Now, what makes a human a human? What makes it a sapient species compared to just a simple animal species? Okay. What makes it different is that a sapient species can act outside of its biological functions. It can act outside of instinct. Okay. Does that mean that there may be other species on earth besides humans that are sapient? Yes. In fact, I would argue that there are few. Um, dolphins among others. Okay. Because they seem to have this ability, uh, you know, and then there's, there's other little very basic tests. Okay. Uh, that, that, you know, that you can go through to, to sort of test for this idea of sapience, but sapience and intelligence are k- kind of two different concepts. Okay. And, and really this is, this is wh- where the main problem is going to come in is that IQ 
Now, IQ tests themselves. Okay, IQ is just one form of intelligence, even if I agreed with the concept. So IQ and IQ tests are themselves very problematic because IQ tests have been regularly, like throughout history, and the, the IQ tests have been around for a little over 100 years, um, you know, as we understand them, as modern test taking would understand them, okay? Uh, there is, you know, just, just a, a deluge of evidence to show that as either minorities or women would end up, or even geographic areas would end up testing higher, say, than men or people from Ivy League schools or from, you know, what, not necessarily like colleges, but like other schools, you know, more, more uppity uh, schools, whatever, uh, higher class schools, I guess you could say at the time. And certainly, you know, America had, has had and maybe still has, you know, very real class problems. Um, that that the tests would get changed like they would literally add say more sports questions into iq tests what the fuck does sports questions have to do with an iq test right and that would happen um so iq iq tests themselves are are biased incredibly flawed uh you, you know ideas and so but yes d- does it seem like iq tests are finding something maybe maybe they're finding something but there's the old saying that well if you're you know if you got 100 on a test over and over again what exactly does that prove does it prove that you're intelligent no it proves you're good at taking tests <laughs> okay <laughs> like, I mean, tests themselves, like tests as we understand them, you know, multiple choice or filling stuff in, reading comprehension, a lot of this other stuff, like most of that can really be chalked up to bullshit. Um, and there have been plenty of people, including my good friend Brett Vinat, you know, who have done a lot of work to actually show a lot of this shit. OK, uh, despite the fact that some people in the liberty movement seem to be going, seem to be uh, almost pushing for yeah, well, but this these test scores say this and these test scores say this when, you know, just a few years ago, uh, just about anybody that that slapped the word liberty, you know, in front of their in front of their, uh, uh, I don't know, whatever they define themselves as would laugh at the idea of, of you know, public anything being done in public schools mattering. But whatever. OK, so anyway. Um, yeah, here's the thing. IQ is not intelligence. OK, it, it's it's just not. Uh, In fact, even, you know, a lot of people talk about the Flynn effect, right, which is saying that IQ test scores have been going up over the last hundred years. Uh, Maybe now they're going back down a little bit, but they were going up over a hundred years. Flynn in 2007, the guy who came up with the Flynn effect, even points out that the only thing that's changing with this IQ with these IQ test scores going up is the ability to think hypothetically. Okay, it's it's this it's the old adage of book smarts versus street smarts, right? Or life smarts. And just because somebody has book smarts doesn't mean that they have actual life smarts. Um, Here's here's a great example to show that just because you say scored high on on an IQ test and thus supposedly you would have this ethereal thing known as high IQ just to show that that's nonsense. Isaac Newton would probably, and, and I'm not the only one to say this, there's other scientists who, who would say, I mean, like many popular scientists who you would think that they would be pushing for IQ tests, right? Because, yeah, we've got to get those standardized tests in school. Uh, they would even say that Isaac Newton would not score well on an IQ test. But he, who would, I mean, who would argue that Newton wasn't brilliant? This is the thing. Brilliant, or I mean, uh, Newton was very wise. He could figure things out. 
he was clever. He didn't he didn't have a ton of like book knowledge. He didn't have a bunch of knowledge. I mean, eventually later on in life, he would. But to come up with the incredible concepts that he would end up laying out or to write Principia and a bunch of other things, it was because he could figure things out. It's not because he had a bunch of shit that would look good on an IQ test in his head. Okay, so there's, you know, I don't want to get into necessarily the multitude of intelligence theory, okay, but how do I define intelligence? I define intelligence simply as as sapience. Now, there's a stupidity and a smartness within that, and you can see that. Um, well, well, here, here's something. I mean, it, you know, so there was an article, okay, uh, I guess maybe this came out in 2012. If I can find it, I'll, I'll look for it. Uh, it was from psychology today. I think it was, uh, uh, Darcia Narvies. I think she wrote it and she made this whole case. And in fact, it was really enlightening for me because you know, me, you know, growing up, like I can just say, you know, myself, I could just say, well, shit, you know, and I, I read, I read the bell, the bell curve, you know, by Charles Murray and all that. Um, and that book is very flattering to me because it says, well, Ashkenazi Jews are the smartest people on the planet. I have every reason to believe in this whole G quotient nonsense because it, 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 it props me up, you know, because I'm an Ashkenazic Jew. So, oh, okay, great. So I'm, I'm one of the smartest people on the planet. Fucking awesome. All right. You, you know, I mean, I should just go forward and, and be all happy about it. But then, you know, I, like I remember reading this in 2012 and even stuff before then. Okay. Um, not that like IQ tests and shit like that was, you know, the most important thing on my mind. But, you know, when I get to when, when I get to reading about this, um, maybe it was earlier than that. But anyway, whenever that article came out and she's not the only person to have ever ever said it. But, you know, she came out to to say how like all these different people were geniuses, like a lot of murderers were considered geniuses. They would have high IQ scores, you know, and all this stuff. But obviously, when it comes to life and having things like, you know, empathy and, and, and other, you know, wisdom and, and you know, kind of a, a like a like a social intelligence, they completely failed. But just because they have a high IQ, a lot of people, especially in the liberty movement, would argue that, no, they should they should be allowed to breed and, you know, live on. And, and, and because, you know, they're important members of society simply because they have this high number that nobody can really quantify very well anyway. That being the G quotient, that being, you know, doing well on an IQ test. And I mean, that that alone can show just how ridiculous that that is. You know, there are different types of, you know, there's emotional intelligence. Like I said, there's social intelligence. There's a lot of these different things. Um, in fact, one could even argue that having a really, you know, what, what would be considered an intellect, like having a lot of book knowledge actually narrows your understanding of how the world works or how things do work because you are running off of a lot of preset suppositions or, you know, a lot of preset knowledge. Now, I mean, that can be helpful. No one's, I'm not, look, I love having book knowledge. I, I like to think, you know, I am so, I've said this so many times, the, my brain, I know some people would think it's my dick, but it's not. My brain is the most important thing to me because I have been working so hard on it and I've been trying to fill it with as much information as I can for my entire life. I will read books, as many books as I can till the day that I die and hopefully keep from getting Alzheimer's. Fortunately, my girlfriend is a, was a doctor that was trying to cure or was a Ph.D. that was that was working on actually. And her her, her research is, is still being used uh, on how to cure Alzheimer's. But anyway, you know, I'm going to read forever. And, and, but at the same time, I recognize that there are times where you have to put everything, you know, all of your preconceived notions and put them in check. And you need to start going with imagination. 
you know, and logic dictates that, okay, not to sound like a Vulcan, but remember the old Sherlock Holmes line, you know, no matter how improbable, uh, you know, when you end up with the final solution, you know, it must be the truth. And that comes from imagination, not from book smarts, not from having a bunch of, you know, shit inside your head. Okay. Again, Isaac Newton didn't have a bunch of shit in his head. He was just very clever. He knew how to figure stuff out. That's important. That's the kind of person you want. You don't need somebody that can, you know, tell you what a white hole is. Okay. You know, as compared to a black hole, you need someone who can actually grasp the concepts themselves. And IQ tests don't really test for that. Okay. So how do I define intelligence? Well, I define sapience as the ability to act outside of your biological instincts. Okay. Which pretty much every human, you know, best that Um, intelligence otherwise well that's a lot of factors and it's not something that could be tested in a classroom it's just not possible not really you know except for maybe maybe the one time I've ever heard of it being done in a classroom was what was this back in the 90s right this is a very popular story in the news at the time where uh, a little girl I think maybe in like fifth grade or something like that she was diagnosed with cancer you know she had to go through you know all the various treatments started losing her hair and when she was coming back to school after you know appeared the treatments worked every kid in the classroom shaved their head guess what those are a lot of intelligent kids well I mean maybe they kind of followed a little bit of a herd but somebody there had a really intelligent idea Okay, Uh, because, you know, it came out as empathy. Because it's not all like intelligence, you know, even uh, my favorite and I, I say this quote all the time because it's so key. It's so, so short and brilliant. And it's from Nathaniel Brandon. Okay, yes, that Nathaniel Brandon. In order to think clearly, we have to feel deeply. IQ has nothing to do with feelings. In fact, if you read the bell curve and other things like like they they would they just want to erase the entire notion of of, of emotions and all this different stuff. Um, so, but I I think that that's an accurate statement. But here's the thing: here's the rub. You have to feel those emotions to have clarity of thought to even be able to express what could possibly be intelligence. So no, intelligence can't just be IQ because your emotional state, your uh, your your capacity for empathy, your imagination which imagination has zero to do with like it really does. It has pretty much zero to do with intelligence because imagination, you know, one could define as just, you know, conjuring shit out of nowhere. What could intelligence have to do with that? So I don't know that I could come up like with my own definition necessarily of intelligence, because like I said, at the beginning of all this, we barely understand consciousness. So how exactly can we kind of lay this out? I can define what sapience is, but what intelligence is, well, intelligence for me to my mind is a multitude of things. It's a lot of different types of intelligence, but it's also, a, you know, in conjunction with empathy, with, with your emotions, with even with your anger, with, uh, you know, with your imagination, it's all of these things that put together and you can't put that on a test. And I don't think that you can quantify it, nor are you going to be able to find out who holds all of those keys. And who, you know, who knows how to use them like their imagination. Some people, I mean, look, if the Internet wasn't here, this this will lead into another question, actually. If the Internet wasn't here, I mean, you, you I wouldn't be able to express myself with or myself with, uh, you know, a lot like you'd never know all the all the the ideas and the, and the stories and everything that I want to write and the, and the stories I want to tell and all of the you know audio productions I love doing and everything you'd never know. 
But because I could never show that off, well, I guess I need to go off to the, you know, to the concentration camps for the white boys. Or for the, I don't know, the Western civilization lovers. So that's, you know, that like, I, I guess that's how I would define it. But it, it's, it's just a lot of these different elements that, that come together. And can you test for it? I mean, you can see it. I don't know how well you can necessarily test for it. You know, I mean, maybe if, you know, you're doing kind of a rat in the cage kind of situation, maybe you could see, you know, who's clever, who's not. But in a rat is in the human being in some kind of cage, which obviously I think is unethical. But there you go. Okay, so I know that's kind of a roundabout answer, but I don't know that there's a good answer right now. I mean, like there's, you know, I am like, what is it? The HeartMath Institute. I am open to these ideas that, the, the you know, I mean, your your heart has, you know, neural pathways, like very, very interesting and unique neurons that, you know, is there thought going on there? You know, what what does that have to do with intelligence? You know, like, I mean, and how much does and that's another part of it, too. How much does health uh, you know, play a part into intelligence. Like can a, you know, can a, a, a person that, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Health is an important part of it too. So like, that's another factor that I didn't put in, you know, I mean, this, this, these are things that we're, that we're figuring out. Um, and the problem is, is that IQ tests have historically been used to quantify people and to, and to justify terrible treatment of people or classification of people, which stop trying to classify human beings. Yes, there are smart people. There are dumb people. Sure. You can see that. Um, you know, when, (laughs) I mean, I don't, I don't know how many Darwin awards or whatever you've got to read, (laughs) you know, about that are legit that, that show that some people just don't have this shit figured out. Okay. But what, what, you know, makes them stupid? What makes the other person smart? Well, I mean, that's, that's shit we're still figuring out. You know, but, you know, it's one of those things, you know, when you see it, I mean, the individual really is ineffable. You know, I I mean, I don't know that I don't I don't think we don't have words for it. And I think that there is there may be aspects of what being an individual is that we'll never completely understand. So how can we exactly, you know, say what intelligence is? I I find that to be a very specious, uh, uh, you know, concept in itself. Again, sapience, that's easy. You know, like that, that, that's really easy, but intelligence outside of that, I mean, but it doesn't matter. Like if a person's dumb, they, you know, they're still welcome to the same human liberties, uh, that the rest of the species gets to enjoy. Right. And that's the thing is that IQ tests have generally been used to take away those human liberties. And that's a problem. So anyway, uh, let's move on to another question. Spend, I love that question. Thank you for asking. Um, you know, but yeah, I do. So IQ might not be exactly bullshit, but it might as well be because the concept, especially since the way it's been used historically, um, is is oppressive at, at best, you know, by very varying authorities, not just and not just governments, you know, like like social authorities, too. And you always have to watch out for social authoritarianism as much as you do legislative or military or otherwise. So, all right. Let's shake this up a bit. Uh, True fact. Brian Sovereign died years ago and replaced him with a more enthusiastic guy by the crypto cabal. (laughs) Go listen to his earlier episodes. The real Sovereign was much more mild-mannered. Prove me wrong. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. I was just finding my footing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a more enthusiastic guy. No, you know, it, it's actually, it's very true. I've said this to people. I, I, I tell them all the time, like, please do not 
do not go listen to the early episodes of Sovereign Tech. Not that they're bad. They're very I think that I I've listened to them here and there and I think they're still very informative and there's a lot of fun times being had on there. And I still called myself the Golden Stallion even though I'd say it in a much more uh, uh mild-mannered way. <laughs> I was just finding my footing, you know? And at the time, so here's the thing. At the time I was uh, very much into like nonviolent communication and some other ideas. Uh, and we've talked about this, believe it or not, where we've actually talked about some of this stuff was on uh, some of the wrestling specials, which I don't think were too popular. So Stephanie and I, you know, we still we watch wrestling like, you know, every week, um, but we haven't we haven't talked about it. You know, we haven't done episodes on it because they didn't seem to be too popular. So whatever. Um, but if you listen to like the wrestling episodes that we've done, and I think we did two where we reviewed. I think. We, no, we didn't review the Royal Rumble. We, re- we reviewed Clash of Champions. Maybe that's the only one we did. Anyway, on that, we talked a little bit about where the change happened <laughs> with with uh, with with my style, shall we say, um, on the show. But even then, like even even then, you know, kind of the bombast was a part of it. Like you can hear the early ads and everything where I, I definitely made it all sound very badass. But there are people, you know, there's people who are still dear friends. Um, uh, in fact, one gal in particular I can think of, like she, she stopped listening to the show once I started going a little too nuts because she just she likes the, the much calmer me. I mean, look, the, the, I don't want to say because this is the real me. OK, um, the me alone at home. How about that? The me alone at home. <laughs> not that I'm, I'm usually not alone. There's usually, you know, one or two people or, uh, you know, wonderful people around me. But um, me alone at home, I, I'm just like, for lack of a better f- for lack of a better example, I don't like to use a religious example, but I'm just like this like monk, you know, like like a scribe almost, you know, just like hunched over a book or something. I, I mean, I, I'm so quiet and just, you know, well, I'm not always so quiet. Like if I'm really alone for a long period of time, I start making all these weird like, you know, I start making noises like animal or something. But yeah, normally like I'm just just reading 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 or maybe you know ingesting some kind of uh you know movie or or like a classic sci-fi show or something uh or maybe you know playing 3ds but but you know you you wouldn't even know i was there (laughs) until unless when i'm working out then you know the the metal gets turned up to 15 and uh you know then you definitely know i'm around because i'm grunting and everything you know when i when i work out i mean and and usually i'm i'm not alone whoever's working out uh you know with me you're with us um I mean, it it sounds it's got to sound like there's a fucking orgy going on, but I think that's when you're doing it right. That's why I can't go to like Planet Fitness because fuck it, like they don't let you make any noise. Um, anyway, okay. So let's um, you know, I just got an email from One Dollar Scan. What the fuck <laughs> is that? Great news for you as a Platinum member. We have integrated our service with Box, Google Drive, and Dropbox. You can now store your books in the cloud and read them online. You know, <laughs> shit. I just pulled the mic. <laughs> Sorry. Ah, oh, just slap my knee, Polish knee slapper, right there. Um, anyway, <laughs> wait. That being, I slap my elbow. That's double Polish on me. Uh, <laughs> there goes that intelligence theory. They never work with OneDrive. What the fuck? Does like Microsoft? Did Microsoft? I'm gonna. T- I'm gonna try and get in touch with Microsoft customer service. This is gonna be fun. Maybe I'll, well, I can't record it, uh, but <laughs> I'd love to, I want to ask them, it's like, will you open up your fucking APIs or does really, does just nobody use OneDrive? 
I mean, I have a hard time believing that, but okay, whatever. Oh, God damn it. Because I'm not going to use Google Drive and Dropbox. You know, fuck you, Nancy. Or, uh, sorry, uh, Condoleezza Rice. Uh, okay, well, anyway, um, let's get back onto, uh, onto the questions here. Uh, let's see. Uh, here's, here's kind of a comment. So, um, actually this was, uh, Robin of, um, you, you know, sovereign tech co-host Robin, the man, he, uh, he, he found out like he was posting on, he interacts on Patreon. Of course, you know, he, he co-hosts the, uh, Patreon only star Wars update with me. So it makes sense. And he was noticing that his comments would get deleted like automatically when he would comment on something on the sovereign tech Patreon. And he would be using a VPN while doing it. And interestingly, like he actually got in touch with customer service and I tried to get to the bottom of this as well. He had much better luck than I. Um, And he found out that, yes, if you're running a VPN, that Patreon will will treat your comment as spam, even if I mean, and, and Robin's a paying patron. You know, and that that's crazy. Like if you're I mean, that's the whole point and or one of the benefits, I think, of a pay one of the few benefits, one of the few reasons I'd ever argue for a paywall, like when Steam implemented uh like the five dollar rule for you being able to use chat and all this other stuff. Um is that, you know, when you create a paywall, that does eliminate spam. But then when you're behind the paywall, why why treat it as spam? Very ugly business on Patreon's part. They said they cleared it up, but it looked like they were doing it IP address IP address by IP address. Uh, or not IP address, but w- whatever the metric was, I forget exactly. But very odd. If you find, if you see that happening to you, you can get in touch with customer service. Um, I, I, I'm on like this board where all these different Patreon creators at a certain level um, are are allowed on, and I made another post on there recently saying, uh, "Hey, you know, if people are paying patrons, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> you can't be you can't be registering them as spam, and also." You know, a lot some of the biggest uh, creators on Patreon are like privacy advocates, you know, like Threatwire, some of these others. Um, and, you know, they're they're we're telling people, myself included, to use VPNs all the fucking time. Like th- this is unacceptable, you know, uh, so we'll I'll, I'll find out if anything like that changes. But if you happen to see that your comments just automatically delete, I'm not doing that. Patreon's doing it. I think it's kind of weird that they have a spam bot for that anyway. But uh, anyway, yeah, someday the alternative to Patreon will come. And what they need to do is it needs to have cryptocurrencies. It's very simple what they need to do. And I will walk away from Patreon. It's got to, you know, accept cryptocurrencies and it has to be able to do the automatic uh, or the custom RSS feeds for podcasts to where those RSS feeds can be cut off at the end of like a paywall problem and, or worse when somebody stops subscribing, do that. I am on your side. I will I will promote the shit out of your website. You'll get so much free promotion to me. You you from me, you will not have to be, I guarantee you will not have to be a sponsor. You're going to have over 10,000 people hearing about you every single week because I'm going to keep mentioning it. But, you know, someone's got to create that and no one has. So, all right. Uh let's let's see. Here's an interesting one. I was stunned the other day on a Prime episode when you said that it would be good if people stopped listening to podcasts. But then I thought they'd never listen to you. How do you square this away? It's almost as if you're saying to eschew technology altogether today. Uh, there's more, but th- I think that gets just um, no, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not I'm not saying that at all. Look, if you you know, if you listen to Sovereign Tech for a while, in fact, this is something I've mentioned this in the past because I thought it was just the most amazing thing. Um, I'm going to give Alex Jones a little bit of credit. 
there was Alex Jones gave a speech at some college. I can't imagine. I don't know if it was like, uh, you know, one eye under the Illuminati college or what. But anyway, <laughs> I'm kidding. But I mean, really, he was giving a, a speech at a college. And he actually said, and I thought this was just the I mean, I had to, I gave him at that time. And this was years ago. This is like probably seven or eight years ago. But I gave him a ton of credit for this. He said, look, after you listen to me long enough, you're going to get it. You're going to have like, you know, you're, you're going to have the eyes to see how all this stuff's really working. You don't need to listen to me anymore. And when he said that, when he said, you don't you won't need to listen to me anymore. I, I just I thought not that that was humble, but just that that was like, yes, like I, I don't even know what term to use for that. Like that was just so spot on. You know, and look, that's OK. If you get to a point where you feel your shit secure and you're doing great and you've set your life free, you've got I don't know, you're in some kind of wild polyamorous relationship or something, you know, and, and you're having a great time and you're feeling very self-reliant and, and, uh, and all this different stuff. And, you know, you, you've you've come to, you know, take on individualism and you know, like you, you, you've got the galactic mindset where you're thinking about, you know, like how do, how does this affect like everything on a, on a universal scale, not just on some, you know, petty, any local, you know, earth scale or something like, you know, if you start putting all that stuff together, no, why would you listen to me <laughs> other than for the entertainment? But that's why I try to make it entertaining. And it's not just a factual show or some kind of bullshit interview show, you know? Um, I mean, you know, for the entertainment, I think that's what keeps people around, whether they realize it consciously or, you know, consciously or unconsciously, they, they recognize it. Um, so no, no, I'm not. It's fine. If, if people could get over that, look, I don't listen to that many podcasts anymore. And part of that reason is, is because what ends up happening, like, so th- this was also seven or eight years ago. Okay. Before I moved to New Hampshire, like I listened to free talk live and I'm still to this day, I am so honored that I was um, able to contribute to a show that really did do a lot for me back then. Okay. Free talk live was family. I was living in New York. I didn't know any of these people. I didn't talk to, you know, I didn't talk to Mark or Ian or any of these people. Okay. Um, but they were there. They got it there. Like they were where my head was at, say at that time. Okay. Because, you know, even free talk live will admit they're more of the elementary school of Liberty. They were where I was at at that time. And they were speaking my language and like to be able to hear them three hours a day, every day was so helpful because my actual family that was around me and, you know, physically was, you know, didn't get shit and were abusive and just, you know, terrible. Well, I'll just say it. They're terrible people, you know, and I got myself in that situation. I understand, you know, and, and, but of course I also got my fucking self out of it. But, you know, it was so powerful to have that. And so I think with a lot of podcasts, yeah, it's great to be informed and all that. Um, And I think a lot of people just listen to podcasts because, you know, around the office, maybe it's the popular thing to do. Like, oh, everybody's listening to, I don't know, this stupid crime podcast uh, this week. And they are stupid. Um, But regardless, you you know, so I mean, so yeah, people want to feel like the sense of connection and everything, but that's it. I mean, like if you're feeling that connection in your own life, you don't need to listen to podcasts. You need to hell. You don't even need to watch TV. You don't need, you don't need to do any of that shit. You know, if you've got all these beautiful relationships in your life, you have friends near you, you've got your own little community around you, you know, whatever, five, 10, 15 people or something, or you're going out and having fun or you're just talking. I mean, I, I can't picture a time where a person wouldn't read books, but yeah, you don't need podcasts anymore. You don't need me. 
so uh, you know that I'm not saying that you know I'm not telling people don't listen to it, but I'm just saying if you if you don't feel the need to anymore, well then you probably got a lot of good shit going on for you. Now if you're not listening to it because you're so livid at something that I said, well I mean that's a whole other problem. But y- y- you get my point. You know what got me into technology, and the reason, in fact, is the person kind of wrote on a bit and and even said it's like you know how are you not running off to a cave? Well look here's the what got me into technology. I mean, for the first thing that got me into tech growing up, and I mean at a really young age, you know, single digits, was because I wanted to write so badly because I love to read. And, I, you know, when you're this voracious of a reader, eventually I think a person wants to get to the point where they want, they want to write their own shit. And so I wanted to write. And, you know, the, the computer screen was unlimited paper. So there's that. But then the most amazing thing happened when, you know, suddenly the Internet got connected. Okay, like really got connected. You know, and not and I don't mean like AOL or Prodigy, even though I did use Prodigy quite a bit. I mean, when the wild west of the Internet and like when I could get on IRC, right, you know, and all that. And, and you know, I remember to like chatting in the, the Stargate SG-1 rooms and everything like I found at that time. That was a different family situation than the one who I was just describing, but no less oppressive or problem or, you know, w- with with plenty of problems that I needed to escape from. But I found my real family, people that really got it. You know, and, and it was beautiful at the time because you had to have, well, speaking of intelligence, or at least you had to know how to be able to get into like an IRC chat room at the time. And it wasn't exactly as easy as it is today. Some would argue that it's not even easy today. Uh, but, you know, it, so there was a certain you had a baseline way that you could in, that, or a baseline connection with these people because they knew how to get here. And so did you because they're in the chat room. Aha. There is some level of intellect, of intelligence there. Okay. You know, there's a test that, right, that, that, that you can see. And so you, you had an immediate rapport with these people just because they were in the chat room alone. And then, you know, you could kind of build on from, you know, things from there. And you could go into very specific chat rooms. And, you know, you would type in anything. You would type in, you know, hash mark, you know, Stargate SG-1. And then suddenly you find, holy shit, there's a Stargate SG-1 room. And there's like 30 people in here. This is fucking awesome. You know, and so that's what got me into it was like was the ability to find my actual family. The thing is, is that eventually you fall away from it. Like I met, you know, when I was a teenager, speaking of polyamorous relationships at that time. okay, you know, I met, uh, you know, know, like like my first real girlfriend and some other people in the Stargate SG-1 IRC chat room. You know, and it wasn't like an official SG-1 chat room. It's just something that a bunch of people set up that they would talk about on Friday nights after the show on Showtime. And, um, you know, and I, I meet other people and I met all these friends and eventually, you know, you get to start hanging out with these people in real life, either because you get to fly around and, and hang out with them or they come to you or whatever. And you don't need to go to the IRC chat room anymore. Right. But I'll always be thankful to the technology and I'm not going to throw it away. That gave me those connections in the first place. But the, but the technological, the technologically enabled connections, be it a podcast or an IRC chat room are not the end game. They're the beginning. Kind of, kind of reminds me of the old Spock saying, right? You know, logic is the beginning of wisdom, not the end. There's something for your, you know, for IQ. Against IQ, I guess. So, I mean, that's it. You know, I was just, I was this little Hebrew boy in New York. You know, ladies love the little Hebrew boy. And, and like, but I got to find people that didn't give a shit about that. And that, you know, real, well, I mean, some of them did. But, you know, I got to find my, like my real family, people that, that, connected with me based upon interests and passions 
and other attractions. That's, you know, that that's the beautiful thing. But that's not the end game. You know, like the end game is to eventually actually get together. You know, like like this 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 connecting with people and having these communities online, it's horseshit. It's horseshit. It's great. It's a it's a stopgap or something. You know, I mean like like it's it's a bridge. But then you got to burn that bridge, man. I mean, well, you don't have to get rid of I'm not that's not saying get rid of tech. But then, you know, don't look back. Let it light your way home, baby. The flame from the burning of that bridge. So, yeah, I'm not I know I'm not going to run off to a cave. I'm always going to be into tech and there's plenty of tech out there that the government really can control. And this actually this leads into um, our next story. Wow, I'm actually going to be able to get into all the questions that I lined up that I lined up. This is a this is this may be a first because we've done quite a few. This is actually a story. Speaking of tech controlled by the government or theoretically controlled by the government. Um, this is a story. It's from surveillancevalley.com. I put the link in the show notes. Uh, this is from a patron. It's from February 27, 2018, and it's titled Fact Checking the Tor Project's Government Ties. Now, there's a whole write-up here. There's a bunch of different FOIA release documents that are linked to it in it. I've looked at some of them, and but the basic basic argument goes, and some of this I think people already believed, is that Tor and the Tor Project are funded by the government. Okay. Now, yes, like I've actually always known and have talked about it and many other privacy advocates, um, you know, and, and, and I don't know what we would get like crypto enthusiasts and whatever else, you know, have been well aware that some percentage of money that the Tor project has gotten over the years has come from the U S Navy. Okay. We know that that's a fact. Um, you know, no, no argument from anybody here. Now the argument goes is that actually, according to this research done by this person is that there are three organizations that are doing shy of a hundred percent and it can't be a hundred percent because I know me personally, I donate to the tour project. Obviously I'm not a government plant. Did you hear crickets? All right. Um, so anyway, Um, so no, it's not true. Like the, the statement that it's a hundred percent funded by the government is, is provably false. Okay. But that the bulk of it is funded, say by three spinoff CIA, uh, uh, companies, one of them being the broadcasting board of governors, the BBG, that's kind of the big one that this person points out, um, you know, is, is one of the funders. Sure. Like, I, I think there's some accuracy to that statement. Um, once again, I'm going to say that, while like the the funding dollars that can be more easily tracked may there the evidence is pretty interesting that it is coming from government or quasi government organizations yes you can see that but there's also a ton of funding coming from uh some you know from from you know individuals of means and individuals not of means and from uh you know entire activist groups that are very legitimate around the world uh, so it's not 100 percent, you know, done by that. Now, the the uh, uh, documents also go. I have the documents. The documents also go into saying that um, the uh, the programmers for Tor, or at least it, it must be certain people at Tor, because I actually I have friends who are programmers for Tor, people that I trust pretty hard and that they're not getting their orders from on high. They're not getting their orders from some government agency. Okay. They're just developing it. And again, it's an open source project, you know, uh, and they're they're doing everything that they can do to, you know, to batten the hatches on it and all of that. And we're going to talk about that more in a second. 
but they're claiming that nodes, you know, Tor nodes that are, again, are the backbone of, of Tor, that Tor, there are a lot of Tor nodes that are listed as independent or seen as independent by the community that are actually were ordered, put in place by some, you know, some aspect of the U.S. government. Um, and that various developers and people at the Tor project are aware of this and they know it and they're taking their orders from from people, you know, upstairs. OK, so that's that's the basic gist of this. I put the link in the show notes if you want to read some of it yourself. But there's points, I think, that can be brought up. And then the person says, oh, when I brought all this up, oh, I had privacy advocates and hackers and all these people shouting me down. They're attacking me, blah, blah, blah. Um, I would not attack this person for anything. I think I, I appreciate this kind of level of research uh, and and real journalism, frankly, uh, that they that they did. However, their conclusions are making a lot of suppositions. Like I said, first off, it, it, it seemed to be completely ignoring how much the Tor project is funded by donations itself. Um, I mean, because that is a substantial, substantial amount of money that gets put into there. Uh, and and. You can look at some of the names. They're not, you know, some of the people that are open about it. They are, those are not government officials. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, regardless. So y- y- you have that. Okay. And then there's, there's the fact that, in fact, he, he points, uh, the person that wrote this up points this out. Like he, he's going to fact, or it's Yasha Levine. Um, you know, there's, there's certain, um, in fact, Yasha Levine, I think he's, that's the same person that did, uh, did that kind of expose on, on Google's ads, how, why they can't be double blind, but I could be wrong about that. Uh, but that name's awfully familiar anyway. So claim number one that he fact checks himself apparently is Tor does not provide backdoors to the government. And his rating of claim number one is that that's moderately true that no, um, what he what he says, according to his FOIA documents, what what it claims is, is that, no, nobody is giving backdoors to the U.S. government. However, what is happening is that if there is some kind of technical flaw with Tor, the Tor project or certain people, you know, certain um, uh, members of the Tor project are letting the government know first that there's a problem before they're letting, you know, I guess the broader community know about it. Okay. So, but here's the thing is that, yeah, nobody's handing over back doors to Tor to the government. So Tor is still relatively secure. Now, as far as like the nodes, here's the other part, like the bulk of the nodes that are out there, as we understand it, are actually run by independent individuals, you know, various rebel groups, honestly, activists, uh, hobbyists, I mean, all, all kinds, you know, the the Tor project would not be what it would, the Tor network would not be what it is and would not be usable as it is if it was just a government project. And I want to give you an analogy here. Not that proof by analogy is, is, is proof, but I think it's a great example. Maybe analogy isn't even the right word because I, I think this is, you know, downright fact. Uh, you know, some people, and in fact, back when I was on Free Talk Live, I had people who would call in and say, oh, the Internet is, is a government program. Like it's, it, you know, the government knew exactly what they were doing, blah, 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 blah. Okay. The government does not have the manpower to run what we know of as the internet. Okay. They may have the, some technical abilities to shut it down. Okay. Uh, what is that order three, six, three or whatever? Uh, you know, they, they may have certain tools and collection of zero days that allows them to exploit what the internet is, but the internet would not be what it is without private individuals and private industry. Yes, the government did create the internet, but they're not the ones that turned it into like 
you know, it was individual actions and private actions that turned it into, you know, the, 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 the monstrosity, honestly, that I'm not even saying it's a good thing, but, but to what it is today. So, and I think it's, I think Tor is the exact same way. Sure. Like no one would argue that the government had their hand in Tor and it's not hard. It's not tough to believe, at least for me, that they still do. But at the same time, just like the internet, that doesn't mean that private individuals aren't using the, you know, uh, the, the Tor network for their own means and for genuinely anti-government means. Now, the claim goes on from from Yasha here that, well, but it's it's really it's always been a government tool, which is very similar to the rhetoric I've heard from people about the Internet, um, like that it was always meant to be surveillance and blah, blah, blah. And no, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, it was meant to be, you know, it's like ARPANET. It was meant to be a network that could survive a nuclear blast. But I don't think it was always meant to be something that, that you know, where they could spy upon everybody. That was something they later figured out that they could do based upon the kind of industries and businesses that private companies and individuals set up on it. So with Tor, um, yes, I, it, it, and here's the thing. So why it's believable for me to, to think that the government is funding it is because, yes, absolutely the government uses it. Of course they do. Yes, the CIA uses it. They use it to, you know, uh, uh, engage in foreign policy, to get past um, various technologies from, you know, the Turkish government or the Chinese government or whatever, go- or the or, you know, whatever government that they want to fuck with or that they want, maybe that they want to create a coup within a certain country. They use the Tor network to enable that coup, a CIA controlled coup, which those things absolutely happen. You know, that that's not uh, that's that's not an Alex Jones thing to say. It's a fact. Um, so, sure, you know, they, they, they use it. But just because they use it doesn't mean that, like, be, again, because of the openness of the technology and the scalability and the, um, you know, kind of the more, more homebrew ability and nature of it, okay, everybody can use it, just like the Internet. You know, and, and if this person, you know, wants, I, I mean, I get the argument, but, you know, and, and yes, I want to evolve past that. Um, that's why I love and look, I'm not saying this because they're a sponsor, but seriously, I love the idea of Zencash and the secure nodes, because then this is creating, um, you know, that alternative infrastructure, much like Tor is. And this one may not be government funded, you know, or will not be. I mean, you know, you can't say who's buying the crypto or, you know, who, who's actually buying Zencashes and the tokens themselves. Um, but regardless you know, like, like this is, this is the right way to do things. And really it gets down to the point you want your pipes to be dumb. It doesn't like with the tour network to me, what matters is, does it function? Does it do what it says? And is it, um, you know, is, is it largely like dumb pipes, just encrypted dumb pipes or, you know, more anonymously set up dumb pipes? Yes. Does the government use it? Yes. Just like, does the government use Bitcoin? Absolutely. <laughs> like, you better believe the government is using Bitcoin right and left, like the CIA, the NSA and all them. They're using Bitcoin. They're funding half of their foreign policy probably with it because it's such a beautiful way to send money or they're hell, They could be using. I don't know. They could be using any of these. They could be using Monero. They could be using whatever. Of course they are. They're, I mean, they're, you know, yes, they're largely dumb, but there's some aspects of them that are pretty intelligent. And of course, they're going to use this just like they, they had the, the intelligence to use Tor, okay, to, you know, for communications and to get past government firewalls and all this other stuff. Sure they do. 
But just be, I mean, and one could argue that if they're actually buying into cryptocurrencies, that they are funding these cryptocurrencies in a very real sense, sense through speculation. Maybe they're even paying off through some kind of, you know, offshore company or, or you know, offshoot company from the CIA or something. Maybe they are paying, um, you know, the developers for Monero or who knows what. I, I don't know who really like just pick your coin. I'm not I don't mean to pick on Monero. OK, uh, sure, they're doing that. <laughs> I don't think that's unbelievable at all. But then does that mean that that what I mean, what? What, we stop using it? No, because the technology still fucking works. <laughs> you know, like, we'll just, we'll use it too. I mean, you know, the argument is almost like if it really feels like the argument is, well, the government made spoons and so we're going to have to have soup with forks. That's preposterous. <laughs> I mean, it's just preposterous. So I get it. I there there might be a lot of truth to what this guy is saying, and I'm not shouting him down, and I respect the hell out of his work. But even he's kind of proving the point that no, they're not being handed over back doors. Yes, the people at the Tor Project are are largely you know uh, 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 um, you know freedom oriented, uh, and 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 blah blah blah. And yeah, this this tech works for what it is, etc. Okay, then we're just then it's just the tool, and we're going to use it. So that that's my I, I mean I and and. I, I had there was a guy. This is a pork fest last year. There was a guy who I, I kind of like, and he said to me that, "Oh, well, I saw that. Um, you know, kind of the same, kind of the same exact argument. In fact, even in this article, the guy brings up Signal, but kind of the same argument where he says, "Yeah, you know, there's like there's this this Navy, uh, uh you know, offshoot company that's uh, that was funding Open Whisper Systems. So Signal's a government program." what <laughs> what doesn't the government fund <laughs> you know like like these kinds of arguments look i'm not if you don't trust signal don't trust signal okay fine you don't have to use pgp though i'm sure then somebody's gonna say well but phil zimmerman took a thousand dollar check from the nsa back in 1991 oh okay well, look at the open source code, learn for your fucking self. And you want to make those kind of bold claims. You check out the code. Okay. Or you get people that you trust to check out the code, which is exactly what has happened. All right. Over these many decades and years and whatever. And if it looks good, then you go on. That's why it's called open source. That's the importance of open source. If this shit was an open source, I, I would, you know, I would certainly feel a lot differently about this sort of thing. Okay. But this guy's like, well, don't use signal because it's a, you know, it's a planner. It's what that's crazy. Sure, the government uses Signal too. Why? Because it works. Why does Hillary? Why did the Hillary Clinton campaign use Signal? Because it fucking worked. <laughs> this isn't hard to figure out. <laughs> and did they somehow donate or fund to make sure that they could keep it alive so that they didn't have to have email servers, you know, getting getting cracked into by who knows what or used against them? Yeah, fuck yes, they did. They're they're human beings. <laughs> So I know the person that sent this in was asking just for my opinion on it. And I'm not yelling at them. I'm just saying that, like, I get this line of thought. I really do. I really, really do. But I have a there is a saying that's as old as the first episode of Sovereign Tech. Don't you know, there's a saying, follow the money. Yeah, there's something to that. But really what you want to follow is, is the attitude. you got to follow the attitude. And let me tell you, the attitude of the people at the Tor Project is about as spot on as you could hope for with with a, a project of this type. 
I'm not going to say it's perfect. I think some of these people believe in political action and all that other shit. But, you know, what am I going to do about that? Okay. How about Signal? Well, Moxie Marlin Spike's an anarchist. Good. And in fact, you've even had very popular, like Ian Thompson, I love that guy uh, at the Register, who, you know, this is a tech journalist, a very popular tech journalist. And he came out and said, he said, I'm glad that there are companies, there are tech companies, and there are tech products and services run by anarchists because they don't want any government hands in it. You know, or, or like as far as control, I mean, funding, well, you know, that that's that's a tough thing for for anybody to be able to keep track of, especially when it's, you know, organizations like that. But people get it. They understand the important even people. And look, Ian Thompson's not an anarchist. You know, he votes. He does the whole thing. But he gets the importance of having people with that attitude. He understands the importance of that attitude in a company. OK, so. That's the thing. You know, you want to follow the money with the Tor Project? Fine. You want to follow the money with a lot of these different projects? Sure, whatever. I've, I've heard people make claims about, like, in fact, these, I've, I've debunked these, and they're, they're absolutely outlandish, that somehow the Bilderberg Group is, like, funding, I don't know, Blockstream or whatever. Give me a, give me a goddamn break. <laughs> you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I get it. I talked about it on the q and I covered it and I and and I explained exactly why that's just not so. But oh, people. Yeah. Get that that phrase. Follow the money. It can be useful, but you got to keep it in check with following the attitude first. OK, keep that in check. So, all right. That's that's all. That's all my thoughts on that. I hope I, exp- I explained that. I, I'm glad that you asked about it. Um, I might have, maybe I should have done it for a Sovereign Tech Prime episode, but I'm not sure when I was going to be able to get to it. Maybe I'll take actually this audio out and put it into a Sovereign Tech Prime episode so people can see what they're missing on a Q&A or something. Uh, but thank you for sending that in. There was a, very, a lot of it was a really interesting read. And again, I appreciate the work that this person did. But at the same time, like these conclusions, that follow the money shit is, is getting awfully tiresome. You know, because again, what doesn't the government fund? And mass. You know, like, like uh, there's practically nothing. So, you know, whether it's the U.S. government, the Chinese government, the Russian government or whoever, you know, it's it's almost like I, I mean, it, it would seem to be if you're, you know, putting, you know, if you're plotting it on a map. Everything would be red, <laughs> you know, or whatever color you wanted to choose, like it would just be covered. So anyway, OK, um, last bit here, your album of the week. How about that? Let's give you an album of the week. And this is I'm sure you're just waiting for me to mention this because this just came out a couple weeks ago. Holy shit. Uh, Judas Priest came out with a new album beginning of March. Firepower, it's called. It is fucking heavy. It is awesome. It is at points cheesy when it needs to be. This is great shit, uh, especially after, sadly, what's been going on with Glenn, Glenn Tipton. Of course, uh you know, I, I feel terrible, uh, you know, to, for him to develop that condition. But uh, but that's none of this is stopping Judas Priest, you know, from doing what they do. And you just listen to Firepower and you know it. I hope I get to see them in concert. I hope I get to see, you know, Rob Helford, at least. I mean, at, at this rate, he's probably going to be the only guy left, uh, you know, from the original lineup. But I, I would love to see him in concert. again. I mean, it, man, this album, it just kicks ass. Uh, it's track for track. There's, I, I'm not even going to point out like what the best track is because every single song on it's just, just solid gold. And I expect nothing less, uh, from Judas Priest. I've enjoyed their, their most recent, other recent outings, um, like Angel Retribution. Granted, I think that came out maybe like 15 years ago now. That was, that's one of the best albums they've ever done. You know, I put, I put Angel Retribution right up there with like British Steel. I mean, uh, fantastic. Um, 
and you know even like i like their concept album uh of nostradamus you know that like that was cool so anyway yeah check out the new Jews priest album that that's that it's just fabulous uh, and really, really heavy. Great stuff to work out to. Okay, that's it. I'm wrapping this up. Went a little long with this one, but we had a lot to cover, and I'm glad we got in so many uh, so many questions this week. Uh, got to get in a question about HP Lovecraft, uh, hopefully next week. Um, and, of course, we got a lot of great content coming out on Patreon throughout the following week. Woo! That's enough for now, though, baby. I will see you on the other side.